Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk To Me, episode 29. On this episode, I speak with Matt Snell and Brian Jackson of the new band NVIDIA. You'll know Matt Snell, formerly of Five Finger Death Punch, and Brian Jackson of Skin Lab and formerly of Society One and other bands. And as always, this episode is brought to you by Fleet Street. Journey with Fleet Street back to a time where men were truly gentlemen and the greatest of care was taken in the crafting of their personal grooming products. Made with all natural ingredients, essential oils, and gentle fragrance handcrafted by the man himself, Steve Drummond. We encourage you to explore our sophisticated selection of products they have to offer. Hair pomade, mustache wax, beard balm, beard oil. So go and check out Fleet Street on Facebook facebook.com slash visit fleet street yes facebook.com slash visit fleet street make sure to like them on facebook and then let them know that you heard about them on the talk to me podcast and you'll be entered in to win a free i repeat free bottle of beard oil from fleet street themselves so go check them out and uh, make sure and like them and then you know go check them out order something order lots of things Get your man card and look awesome for the ladies because you know you need to look good out there, fellas, for all the ladies. Also, make sure if you want to support the Talk To Me podcast, there are multiple ways you can do that. First off, go to Amazon.com, order yourself a Talk To Me t-shirt. Go to Amazon.com, search out Talk To Me, get you a t-shirt, and let everyone know by your sweet fashion choices that you support the Talk To Me podcast. And if you don't want to order a t-shirt, you can always support the podcast monetarily by going to paypal.me slash talk to me. Yes, paypal.me slash talk to me. Donate a dollar, donate a bunch of dollars, and I will appreciate every single donation. Uh, I've reached out to you. I was going to answer some fan questions on this episode, so reached out and uh, in true internet fashion you reach out you say you got any questions for the podcast you come back with uh bobby burns ask you know have i ever thought of him naked and the answer to that is always maybe (laughs) and then you know uh i had uh another friend richie glover ask you know boxers or briefs and you know it's always uh i go with the boxer briefs you know you got to go with those uh keep everything nice and tight and compact and all that wonderful stuff but i did actually get for real question so uh from scott bowling on facebook can you get jason from primer on the podcast Corey lowry or and or rich ward uh jason from primer 55 which would probably be a pretty easy one to, for me to get and uh, i will get him or i will at least reach out to him for a future episode of the podcast i know he's doing some musical things now and it seems like he's gotten uh gotten some things back together so jason from primer probably not too hard for me to get uh cory lowry uh you know i'd love to have him on the podcast i kind of don't want it to turn into the stuck mojo podcast and getting uh, all the members of stuck mojo on there and that kind of goes with rich ward too uh you know when the new stuck mojo album comes out i'm going to reach out to rich and see if he wants to come on to promote the new album and uh, hopefully you guys are going to support the new stuck mojo album and all that fun stuff and i know that you know Corey lowry is out with uh saint asonia 
and so I know he's doing a lot of great big things right now too. And so I'd love to have him on the podcast, talk some uh, Stuck Mojo, talk some Stereo Mud, and uh, talk about his new band, uh, Saint Sonia. So I guess as you can tell, I guess he enjoys his bands with the uh, start with the letter S. <laughs> so you know we could talk about all the wonderful things he's doing. So yeah, I would love to have Jason on the podcast. Rich Ward definitely, you know, in the future, maybe when the new Stuck Mojo album or the new Fozzie album, and then uh, Corey Lowry, you know, he's always welcome to come on the podcast also. And with that being said, you know, if you have any questions for the podcast, any guest suggestions, always hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com slash talk to me talk on Twitter at talk to me talk, or you can email the show directly at talk to me talk at gmail.com. And if you have a band that you would like to get played on the podcast, please reach out to me, uh, talk to me talk at gmail.com. And I have one of those bands today called Oculux, a great band out of Lexington, Kentucky reached out to the podcast and, uh, I'm going to play them on the podcast today. All right, what else do we have going on today? So, yes, on this on this episode, we've got uh, Matt Snell, which you will probably know formerly of Five Finger Death Punch, and Brian Jackson of Skin Lab, uh, Society One, and a few other projects. And, you know, the uh, the band is rounded out with, you know, members of uh, In This Moment and uh, Downset. So, great band, and I've uh, got some uh, great snippets of music uh, they sent me a great sampler track. I just kind of added it to the podcast itself. So throughout the podcast, you'll hear snippets of the new band. But from what I've heard and what uh, you know, what you're going to hear on this podcast, great new band, and uh, you're definitely going to be hearing a lot from them. I think it's a great, great project. Also on this episode, I have the return of Barry Donegan, who's going to come on uh, for the rest of the year monthly. He's going to come on once a month. And kind of break down the uh, presidential race. You'll know Barry Donegan from uh, Look What I Did. And also he writes for truthandmedia.com. And so uh, he's a great, great dear friend of mine and a great guest. He was uh, episode one, you know, the uh, the inaugural guest on the Talk To Me podcast. So I uh, reached out to him and he agreed to come on once a month for the rest of the, uh, rest of the year. And just kind of break down the presidential race. And uh, I trust his opinion. And hopefully you guys enjoy listening to him throughout the year. But back to NVIDIA, uh, you know, just kind of going to the, into this episode, uh, you know, we talk a little bit about, you know, the, the the new album coming out. We talk about, the you know, what's going on with the band. There wasn't a whole lot they could tell me, actually. It was kind of a, kind of a downer because, you know, we couldn't really talk about, you know, their, their plans for touring, possible label, things like that. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff in the works that really couldn't be talked about on the podcast. So... You know, I think it's a great, great story about how the band kind of came together. Uh, they talk a little bit about going into the studio. I don't want to go into it too much because obviously you're about to hear it. Ben, and I hope you guys enjoy this uh, this episode of the Talk To Me podcast. So yeah, make sure to hit up the sponsors, Fleet Street, get your Talk To Me t-shirts. Donate some money monetarily if you want to support the podcast, which is uh, I am truly grateful for anyone and everyone that has supported the podcast to this point without... Any further ado, here's my interview with NVIDIA. It's time now and never. Don't hold back. Never surrender. It's time now and never.
So how did the band NVIDIA uh, come together? Um, you know, it's kind of on a fluke. Um, I was uh, working, actually just kind of sitting around working on some songs for my other band, Skin Lab, and I had saw Travis had posted some stuff online of him singing again, and just going back a few years, back in his flatline days when he used to sing with them. We used to do some shows together, and we were actually sharing the same record label, and so it was Skin Lab. So it's been a few years anyway, like five or six years later, I had saw him post some tracks on, online of him singing. I reached out to him. I had some music that was uh, had been recorded with Logan that wasn't had no vocals or really any direction where we're going with it. It was just kind of sitting there while he was out in Europe. So I sent it over to Travis. He tracked some vocals, sent it back, and then we just kind of went from there. Um, we got a hold of Matt and got Chris Hamilton involved, and just been going fairly quick. I mean, this has all happened within the last two months, like literally from the time we started talking to getting in touch with Matt and Tra- or Chris and Travis and all of us actually talking and getting the ideas going and getting loaded and actually getting in the studio. We've literally almost finished the record at this point. We'll, we'll be done in the next couple of weeks. It'll be completely finished. Um, it's pretty crazy. Uh, it just happened so fast, man. It's, it's pretty surreal. That's awesome. So, uh, Matt, when you first got the phone call, what did you got? What did you think of the music and stuff when you first heard it? Uh, well, I mean, I've already been in a band with Travis before, so I, I know what he's capable of. So I wasn't, you know, really surprised at how good it all was. Um, and I, you know, I briefly, I did a show with Brian at Hot the Blues, like forever ago, when he was in another band, and I was still with Death Function. So I knew Brian, and, and we had, you know, done some work together a few years after that fact, you know, I got played from Vegas, so um, I knew it was going to be good. Uh, when I got it, I was really uh, happy at the direction that the product was going, that, you know, it was exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, quality was amazing, you know, a little bit, you know, doing the producing on it. So, you know, it's one of those I don't have to worry about production value at all because, you know, I got top-notch players, top-notch producing, and great songwriting, and we're all headed the same direction. So it just made sense immediately. There wasn't really a question for me. It was like, okay, I already said yes. When when do you want me to come down? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, easy. it's an easy decision, right? Yeah. I mean, I was. I mean, I already liked them as people, so there wasn't even really a question about it for me. I was like, this is just, like Brian said, it just happened. You know, I, I saw it on Facebook that Travis was doing some singing again. I was pretty excited about that. And then Brian was involved. And I've you know, been in touch with Brian for years. Like, you know, we never stopped talking. So I just hit him up right away. Like, hey, he's playing bass for you. You know, because I'm down. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in Reno now. I used to live in Vegas. So it's just a few hours drive. Like, I'll be there tomorrow if you need me. You know, it's no problem. And then how did you guys get the rest of the band, the uh, the rest of the guys in the band? Um, basically, well, how, you know, after Matt had, you know, reached out and I called him up, and I mean, he was actually our first choice anyway. Him and Travis had worked together in the past in the Flatline, and I think they've actually talked since then a couple of times. Is that correct, Matt? About yeah, oh, yeah. Projects and stuff? We toured, I mean, we toured together with them. I mean, they were in this moment. I mean, our, our little village goes way back, you know, with Chris and Jeff and everybody, you know, as far as, you know, the whole in this moment crew and everything. So we know all of them. You know, I've never not been in touch with those people. Yeah, and then on my end of things with Ham- bringing Chris Hamilton on board, um, going back like a little over a year ago or so, um, when we were trying to, I was rejoining Skin Lab trying to get that whole thing going. We were in between drummers, our original drummer, Paul, was going to bow out for a while. So I flew out to the East Coast, and uh, Chris Hamilton, who's played in Downset, Blood Simple, My Ruin, he also played in a band with Logan called Medication. He's been in so many bands. And uh, I went up to the East Coast, flew out, jammed with him, and like instantly, within a matter of minutes, connected with him. And uh, we were talking about jamming, you know, for the last year or so. And things didn't actually pan out. Our old drummer from Skinlight came back to the camp, and uh, it just kind of was just sitting around. And he was off doing other little projects on the East Coast. And 
as soon as this whole idea formed, he was the first person that came to mind for me. So I told the guys, and everybody was totally down. Everybody's familiar with Chris's work and knows he's a hard hitter. He's a professional, nothing but a professional, and he's ready to roll just like the rest of us. He's a great guy, and uh, I couldn't be any happier with the guys we have involved in this project. I mean, everybody gets along great, and it's going to be a, and everybody's very you know, talented as well and professionals. We don't have much, you know, have a bunch of newcomers in this camp, so very fortunate to get everybody involved and. Uh, yeah, man, it's just it's pretty crazy. Like I said, it just happened so fast, and here we are. So was uh, is Chris uh, was Chris on the uh, like the '90s downset, like the classic downset stuff? Yeah, he's actually I don't know which I couldn't tell you. I don't want to quote exactly which record he is on. Yeah, I don't think he's the original drummer. He came in, I think he's the second drummer. But I remember seeing him touring back in the day when I lived in Portland back in the late '90s. So with downset. Yeah, he when I saw the lineup of this... records and stuff like that too. Yeah. Yeah, when I saw the lineup for this band, I was totally blown away. You know, you got so many, uh, so much pedigree in this band. It's a, it's a great lineup. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. Uh, so, what's the? Uh, how did you guys get hooked up with Logan? Oh, uh, I mean, um, Brian hooked that one up. I, I go back with Logan away. He did, he mixed that first Death Punch record I did. So I knew him already. So when Brian brought that up, that even put me more on board. But that's something that Brian hooked up. Yeah, how that came about too is. Uh, just another coincidence, man, like things just being at the right place at the right time. Um, I was actually out on a moving company here in Las Vegas, and I was sitting in my office one afternoon that I was actually trying to move out of at the time, which is I'm glad I didn't when I was supposed to because I would have never probably ran into Logan again. But I've also worked with him in the past when I was in Society One um, on a record that we did that actually never got released. And, uh, you know, Travis worked with him in Flatline. And like I said, Chris Hamilton has also been in a band with Logan going back to the medication days. So anyway, this whole thing comes pretty full circle, but I was just sitting in my office coincidentally on a nice day and looked across the street, which there's a, a studio directly across the street from my old office, and I see this guy get out of this little sports car with dreadlocks, and there's no one else that really looks like Logan on the planet. He's not hard to admit, so I see him, I right. could have him. I, I just yelled across the street. I'm like, hey, Logan, and he turns around and kind of looks and just yelled, hey, Brian, and we were, there we were talking about doing a record for Skin Lab. That's how it kind of started. Um we, I was, we were looking for a producer, and me and the Skinlink guys were kind of writing stuff, and it wasn't really going as fast as I wanted, but when I got a hold of Logan, he had signed on to you know, do that record, and we had started talking, and he had taken off, he had to go to Europe, he was actually out with his band, Once Human, they were going out to Fear Factory, and while they were gone, oh, he was only gone for four and a half weeks, and during that four and a half weeks, this whole project NVIDIA came to light almost overnight, and uh, by the time he came back, he's like, hey, Brian, what's, uh, you ready to get to work on this record? The rest of the guys in my other camp weren't ready, and uh, it wasn't the time yet. And you know, I was ready to roll and write music, and hungry as I've always been. And um, I just, you know, took them out to lunch and said, "Hey, we need to talk." And uh, I told them how I, you know I got Matt involved, and I told them about Travis and Chris Hamilton. And he couldn't have been more excited. You know, he's worked with everybody individually in the past, so he was instantly on board. And literally the day after Christmas, I jumped in the studio, and I've been there ever since. So you keep bringing up uh, all these bands, and I kind of wanted to. Uh, one of the things on the podcast is when I bring on people, um, I try to, you know, maybe look and try to find out where either a I found out, you know, heard of their band or heard of the member or met the member kind of thing. And uh, I actually got a story for both of you. Uh, so Matt, you and I have something in common. Um, when I played bass in uh, a band out of Nashville called Twelve Volt Negative Earth in the in the late '90s, early 2000s, 
I left in 2002 to join Primer 55. Oh, and, my repl- and my replacement in 12 volt negative earth was Chris Kale, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, so the first tour we do uh, was uh, Dope Skin Lab and Society One actually opened that tour too. So, so yeah, that's a, a, a nice full circle in the podcast. Right. Yeah, they're, they're both like <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, small world. Yeah, very small world. So, Brian, what was it like playing with Society One? Because I saw them uh, firsthand every day and uh, all their uh, backstage shenanigans. Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> well, I'll keep this answer very short. Uh, you know, I had fun for, for a moment with the camp. I have nothing good or bad to say. I'm pretty neutral on the subject. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> no, I mean, to be quite honest, music is music, man. Nothing negative. I'm, I just like to play music. I'm in a room with some guys yeah. and we're having fun and everything's cool. Things are good. I mean, we don't, you know, whether we're signed or unsigned or whatever, we're just in a rehearsal room, we're writing songs. I mean, I, I had a couple of years with the guys and, you know, we had a good time and things didn't pan out and I decided to move on. So I'm much happier than the situation I'm in right now, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying, uh, you know, just seeing the being on tour with, with Matt, Matt Zane and those guys, it was uh, definitely fun. Uh, one night, I, you know, I just happened to go back to the hotel with them and kind of watched, uh, watched Matt do his work. And it was uh, pretty insane what he had going on there. So I'll just, yeah, I'll leave it to that good. also. <laughs> <laughs> with Matt, with, uh, with, you know, Five Finger, um, I don't know how much you want to talk about that. And I honestly don't know any, any, uh, you know, anything outside of what's being told in the press or whatnot, but, uh, you know, just what was your days like in five fingers? you know, I mean, they, uh, you know, you guys were doing a lot of big things, even, you know, when you were in the band. I mean, the crazy thing about that band is, uh, it just happened so quickly. And it was, yeah. uh, you know, we were at it for like a year or so, you know, before it really happened. So what people saw, you know, on the professional level, it happened really fast, but in the big picture, you know, you know, everyone in that band worked a long time. You know, we worked 20 years to become an overnight success. So it was uh, it was a great ride. It was a lot of fun. And, I mean, playing everything from, you know, I mean, I remember picking Ivan up for his audition at a gas station, you know, all the way to, <laughs> you know, playing download and getting shut down for starting a riot, you know, in front of yeah. 70,000 people. So, you know, that's how big the scope of that was. And, you know, got to go around the world a bunch of times and, and play hundreds of shows and, and help build and create what is today this huge, powerful band. So, I mean, nothing but nothing but good memories for me. I, I love those guys. I hope they're doing well. Yeah, when I, uh, you know, thought about doing the podcast, I reached out to Chris and I was like, just making sure there was no bad blood because Chris and I go back years and years. I just didn't want to... There couldn't possibly be any bad blood there. I mean, that, that position yeah. was open for a very long time before before he even got the gig. And I think it's great. I mean, talk about the luckiest bass player in the world. You know, yeah. he walked into a job that I already did all the work, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, good on him, and he's he's having a good time, and he's made a, a good career out of it. So I couldn't. Oh, I don't have any bad blood with any of those guys. You know, they they made right. a decision. I'm the result of that decision. So, and I'm far from the first one. So who cares? You know, you know they're my brothers. Yeah, yeah. I love them. You know, my my numbers there. It's always open. So all good. You know, no worries. And no, I mean, it, it just for the just for the record. I mean, everything that I got back was you know, obviously absolutely no animosity and no, you know, no issues at all, things like that. So it was definitely, uh, you know, you know, he, all systems go with the, with the, uh, with the episode. Yeah. So it wasn't any, any kind of, any kind of bad blood there. Yeah. yeah no. Chris is also one of my close friends as well. And he's always been nothing but positive and supportive of everything. And, you know, he's one of the greatest guys, as you know, in the industry. And so there's, they, everything's all good. Yeah, I think, I think people want there to be a problem. You know, I think people want there to be some sort of drama there. There, is, there isn't a place for it. So, 
Right. You know, I hate no, to burst everyone's bubble, but there just isn't a problem there. There never was. So with this album, how far, how close are you guys to being done with the new album? Damn, we're literally days away. I mean, to be honest, Matt's done all his parts. We uh, we originally started off the set up and did 10 songs, and as the process was coming along, we just found we were finding more and more material that was working for this project, and everything was coming together so quickly. So we just we had 12 songs, and vocals are done. Um, guitars are all done. Drum, bass is done. Drums um, we're doing over at Kevin, uh, Kevin Chirko's studio starting on March 1st. My drummer, Chris Hamilton, will be here on this Friday, actually. He flies in from Philadelphia. It'll be a Friday. And uh, we're going to be out here just, you know, jamming, getting tight with everything. And then uh, when Logan's done with his other band, he's working on an EP at the moment. So we go in from March 1st, the first week of March. We should be done tracking. And then that's just all about mixing it and Logan working his magic. And uh, from there, we're, we should be done fairly quick. And a lot of the stuff I've seen is, uh, you know, I've seen a little bit of the uh, stuff that you guys have released, you know, uh, musically. You know, it sounds great and stuff. I mean, what are the influences, kind of where to, you know, what's all coming together here to make this band? Ooh, a little bit of everything. Uh, that's a tough question, yeah. A kitchen sink worth of uh, music <laughs> every day, you know. It's, it's, you know I, I want you to hear it, and I can't let you hear it yet. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> right, it's right. really that good. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I haven't been excited about music in, in a long time, so that that tells me something right there. That It's a special record, and there's definitely something for everybody on it. Yeah, there's definitely a groundswell around it. I mean, even with uh, the recent Blabbermouth post and, uh, you know, just a lot of stuff. I've, I've been seeing a lot about it online, and I think a lot of people are really excited to, you know, hear the finished product. Yeah, we've gotten, you know, we get a, we've been getting a lot of personal positive feedback. It's been actually quite overwhelming. I'm sure Matt can attest to that as well. I mean, a lot of people have been reaching out to us personally and just giving a lot of positive feedback other than the, the obvious haters that you see on Blabbermouth. So yeah, just moments before we did uh, this phone call came in, a Metal Hammer just posted it on their on their site and the magazine as well. So there's like a bunch of places in Russia that were posting. Travis has been sending me screenshots all day of the media just picking it up. So it's good to see the press, you know, bad press, good press. It all helps us in the end. We're, we're stoked about it. What are you guys going to do for uh, for touring? Uh, you know, I think we're going to try and tour as much as possible. Um, touring smart, of course. And, uh, you know, that's all in future news to be announced, you know. There's only so much we can tell you at one time. Yeah, we're just right now getting this record done as the main focus. I mean, the bigger picture of things, I know that we're all wanting to play the huge festivals, get out on some big tours or some good talks with some, you know, people up there that are, you know, interested. So at the end of the day, we're going to find the right, you know, the right home for this for this band, and uh, we're going to just make the best decisions possible to get it, get it out there and play some big shows for everybody. Yeah, and that was one question I had. Is there label interest on this, or are you guys putting this out yourself, putting it out through somebody? Well, we, I mean, we're all connected in the industry to people and, you know, Logan being a producer that he is and, you know, he's really back in this record 110%. Um, he's, he talks to his people and, you know, there's a lot of talks going on, nothing that we can really give away over online right now, but 
um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're going to find a good home for it fairly quick, and uh, everything should be good to go. You guys will be hearing a lot about this band over the next couple of years. And uh, Matt, I just kind of want to go back to one thing. Uh, I was when I was watching the, uh, you know, you kind of lay down some bass tracks for your for your album. I noticed you played with your fingers. Uh, you know, is that is that a uh, is that something you've done your whole career? Absolutely. You ever, and uh, <clears throat> is that a Cliff Burton thing, or is that just a just a preference? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I. The first songs that I ever learned were like Cliff Burton's bass all the back when I was a kid. So, um, you know, that's just where I came from. Steve Harris, Cliff Burton, you know, Getty Lee. Um, and I, you know, I, I was trained in jazz. So, and all the players that I played with who played bass and jazz on stand up played with their fingers. So it was kind of a no brainer for me. I remember the first time I saw someone play bass with kick, I was like, it doesn't look right. You know, right. it doesn't matter ultimately, you know, play however you like, but for me, it's, you know, if you play, if you're willing to put the practice, then you can play faster and just as clean. So. Yeah, I was pretty. And I was pretty blown away more. watching it. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? I was just saying you can actually, in my opinion, you can do a lot more with you know three or four fingers on one hand, and you can with a single stick. So oh, yeah. Creatively, it just gives me more more room to work, and and you know I'm a bass player part. I'm not a guitar player turned bass player, so. You know, I, I I tend to think from the bass perspective, so I think singers for me work better. I mean, you know, John Paul Jones is a pretty good bass player too, huge influence, right. and you know, he didn't need a pick. Right, Geezer and Getty Lee. But you know, that's one of those things. Yeah. Like, you know, what football team's better? Like, it just it doesn't matter. You know, do whatever you like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Matt kills it with his fingers, dude. He sounds better than most bass players trying to execute that shit with the pick. Man, he kills it. So yeah, I'm all about yeah, it. Uh, fingers are sick. Yeah, you, well, just watching that video online, you know, just hearing basically a, a basically a, a bass, you know, all by itself was, uh, you know, it was just great to watch and actually see somebody still to this day playing with their fingers. And, and you know, as being a bass player growing up, you know, it's a, it was always a code of honor to play with your fingers because, you know, the clip was my... It's like you know, back when you had to have long hair to be in a band, you know. <laughs> <It had laughs> right. nothing to do with anything, but if you had it, you could pick it, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, God, definitely that's over. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got a few gigs just by showing up with a with a decent rig. You know, you plug in yeah. and play one note, and you're like, "Oh, you're in the band." You know? Right. Yeah. Good old days. Brian. Uh, Brian, kind of going back with you. What like what got you uh, started playing guitar? Oh man, God, I think my cousin back back when I was a little kid. I remember he had this bright red electric guitar and this little PV amp sitting in his house. He was a few years older than me. I was like, probably like twelve and. He used to listen to Van Halen every day, so I was like, heard any Van Halen, I was like, oh my God, I gotta play. I just, I just was more or less interested in the looks of the guitar. I really didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know. And then uh, I started taking it seriously around 16. Obviously, listening to Slayer, old Metallica, you know, Black Sabbath, stuff like that. It's pretty much what got me into Randy Rhodes, stuff like that, you know, just the actual stuff. But yeah, once I picked it up and never wanted to set it down, it's pretty much all I care about in life, other than my children, my music. <laughs> you know, we'll just start wrapping this up. But uh, you know, just what do you guys want to say to the people out there listening, to your fans, things like that? Uh, people that are excited to hear the music. You know, stay tuned. Keep up on the Facebook page and the Instagram page to find out what's going on. Um, you know, give us a like. I know it's repetitive to say, but that's you know where we're going to be giving information for now and. You know, be prepared because you're going to end up liking something new, and that doesn't happen very often. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with Matt. I mean, there's it's something, there's a lot to offer on this. You know, there's a little clip we posted online, our little taste, but there's so much more stuff on this record that people are going to be very surprised about. So I think they're going to like, you know, I guess like Matt was saying, there's a little bit of something for everybody out there. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of people are likely to be here. But yeah, in the meantime, they can keep up on our posts, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, we look forward to everybody's positive feedback and everybody's support. Get it on.
Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed that. It was uh, great to catch up with those guys and uh, hopefully you guys learned a little bit about the band and I will definitely have to get them back on on a future episode when uh, when everything kind of comes back together and if they come through your town, make sure to go check them out and if you uh, once they put the album out, make sure you support them that way too. But up next, we've got the one and only Barry Donegan. You know, like I said, if you want something political, you go to Barry. If you want something, you want some six-pack abs, you go to Barry because, you know, he's a personal trainer too. You know, what doesn't this man do? <laughs> so uh, we're going to go ahead and get into my conversation with Barry Donegan of Look What I Did and TruthInMedia.com. So here you go. Yeah, are you doing uh, stuff with the primaries down in Tennessee? Not in particular in the primary, just because there's nothing really going on uh per se. I've been reporting on um, the presidential election ongoingly, though. So, like, all the other primaries. Tennessee's primary is very rarely contested or seriously up for grabs for anyone in any particular party. And it has a lot to do with the way the parties allocate um, delegates and the way they choose which, which day that the election happens on. And that's something that you know, it's inside the finer details of everything, but it makes a big difference when it comes down to, like, election day, like whether or not a presidential candidate comes to your state at all. Probably yeah. not if, the, if it's not an important race. But South Carolina just happened, and that one, like, fractured the Republican whatever was left of, like, a bunch of campaigns a bit, including Jeb Bush. In fact, it was weird because it was, like, did you see the uh, South Carolina Republican debate, perchance? No, I haven't. I didn't watch any of it. I would encourage anyone to look at the exchanges between Bush and Trump on foreign policy. It's one of the most fascinating things that's ever happened in politics, to be totally honest. Um, first of all, the South Carolina Republican Party behind the scenes only allowed big money donors uh, to attend the debate. So everyone there was for Jeb Bush, whole room, right? Okay. Everyone outside the room in the Republican Party is outraged because, A, they wanted to go, you know, and, B, they know this is not fair. Well, so Trump goes in there, and they start talking about foreign policy. Now, bear in mind, South Carolina is a military-industrial complex vote state. That is their primary industry is bases, ships. Uh, military contractor companies, defense contractors, that's like one of the number one blocks of money in that state. So it's the primary voting block. Well, they start talking about foreign policy, and they start, you know, Bush is babbling his incoherent thing about how he's going to attack Assad at the same time he's fighting ISIS and all this crazy stuff, and he's going to make a no-fly zone until Russia, they have to stop firing at Assad. It's the most incoherent babbling thing. <laughs> and then Trump's like, I say we just take out ISIS, and, like, all this other stuff, you know, we 
did not do basically because you know look what happened with Bush in Iraq and uh, Libya. He bashes how they basically were fine, and then we basically came in and destroyed the people that were keeping it under control. And now it's just a what he called the Harvard of terrorism. Well, everyone in the crowd starts booing, and he's like, "Oh, you're uh, booing uh, because you're all Bush's special interests." So he just starts calling the audience lobbyists and like insulting them <laughs> as they wow. continue to boo him. And then he's like, "Then he's like, uh, Jeb Bush um, didn't keep us safe on 9/11. He's like, we got attacked on 9/11. A hundred of my friends died while he was president. He was horrible at national security. He said all this stuff that's re- considered really inappropriate in the Republican Party to say. You know, I mean, it was almost like the Ron Paul stuff back in 2008 with Giuliani, where he was like." It was the same kind of thing. They tried to pull the 9-11 thing on him. And, and, you know, so Trump just bashed on Bush over and over again for about 20 minutes. I would encourage anyone to watch it. It's one of the most fascinating things because he's the crowd is booing him and he doesn't care. And shortly after that, he wins the state. Bush drops out. And I think that's the end of Bush on the national stage. I think he got destroyed permanently by Trump. It's really great, too, because the Bush family has been kind of a nightmare. <laughs> now, they're, now they're over. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to say anything positive necessarily about electing Trump to anything, but when it comes to making sure that there isn't a Bush, that's been handled. He's out of the race. He, <laughs> he also took a hundred million in super PAC money with him, just into the flames. You know, you came on the podcast back on wonderful episode one, and uh, the first question I gave you was, uh, "So, do you think this Trump for president thing could happen? <clears throat> could happen?" So, you know, now we're many, many weeks uh, since then, months since then, uh, do, you, do you feel it's changed at all? Do you see, you know, does Trump still not stand a chance, or are we in, still, a, in a world where it could happen? I, I think he's coming to could happen uh, territory. I, I still think he's got some severe hurdles, but a lot of the way that the details have played out has just worked out incidentally in his favor. I'm not certain that it's... Uh, it will continue because the one, the problems that he has are the establishment of the party hates him. So if anything happens at the convention, he's screwed. Uh, that's why he didn't win Iowa. Insiders, when the insiders control it, it's going to be hard for him to win. Uh, and that's how the nomination process works if it's at all close. Now, like, if he can win outright before the convention, that's pretty much his only hope. And the problem with, with Trump is he's got very high negatives and he's got very high... I would never support him in his polling in the party. Like very large numbers of people would never support him, but would support anyone else. But a large percentage support him. See what I'm saying? So he's got kind of a high ceiling. He can't get much more popular than he already is. But he's real popular. And with three people in the race, the problem is with three people in the race, if they go down to a brokered convention, which is this complex, confusing, esoteric thing where the delegates can possibly even nominate someone totally else besides those three, um, then you're in good Lord knows what happens. That hasn't really happened in like 30 years or I don't know. It happened to the Democratic Party and it's pure chaos and the candidate that won did not do very well in the general election. But again, a lot of times, because the, then you go into a scenario where Donald Trump probably won, it seems like, and for some reason somebody out of the woodworks replaces him, then the party probably falls apart. So it's a really, he's going to cause something weird to happen one way or the other. That's the, number one fact, because at this point it looks like statistically he will have an easy way to get a majority percentage in a lot of these states and the majority of states and and to earn a majority of delegates. But is it enough to prevent a broker convention? 
where other stuff could play out, I don't know at this point. He's still, but yes, his chances are much better than last time. I don't have to upgrade from absolutely no <laughs> chance. I didn't think he would actually stay until Iowa, to be totally honest. Right. I think only circumstances allowed him to. But um, ultimately, he is continuing to kind of touch different nerves. I mean, the same, the playbook he's been running has been working a lot on Republican Party politics. I mean, thinking about what he did in South Carolina is a good example of that because he kind of targeted, I guess, a lot of the loose Rand Paul people who are pissed off and don't have anywhere to go. Like, that's, if there was anything that could have been, I mean, I'm that type of Republican and I wouldn't vote for Trump, but if there, but the, some of my friends probably will because of what happened in South Carolina, to be honest, with that whole uh, Bush just being just destroyed and people just booing at him. He just didn't care. He just kept digging and talking about how Iraq was a mistake. And a lot of people want Iraq to be considered a mistake in the Republican Party, finally. <laughs> Yeah. So does anyone that's uh, running for the Republican Party nomination, does anyone else in that uh, conversation have a chance? I mean, I don't like any of them myself personally, but the qualities that are possibly good that I've seen in some of the ones that remain, um, Cruz, I agree with Cruz and Bush on immigration myself. I like that they have like a some kind of an recognition is like you can't take millions of people on that really probably lived in the u.s most of their entire life they just technically were like i don't know born in mexico for a few months before they ran away from a drug cartel that was trying to murder their sister or something you know like i mean there's a certain limit to that how much uh that kind of nationalism crap really digs in for me it's good to see someone fighting that but it's bad for politics to fight it and you probably won't win <laughs> right and but Marco Rubio, I mean, he's terrible on everything else. He doesn't show up to work. He's like on national security. He's like wants to bomb everything at once. I mean, he's gonna bomb <laughs> everything at once. It's not possible. In multiple countries. If he had a, if he had full control and the full control of Congress, and he, I've heard him talk about seven or eight different wars we would be in. You know, like in different ways, things we should be doing. We should be tough on this, tough on that. It's like for what reason? We're all the way over here, way away from everyone else. <laughs> You're not in danger of anything happening at all. Maybe we just need a couple of people to look at the people that are explosives strapped to them running towards the mall. And other than that, we're probably fine. <laughs> right. So, and then we'll jump over to the Democratic side of things. I mean, is there any other, you know, either, uh, you know, either uh, Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton? I mean, is there anyone else kind of challenging those two, or do you believe that one of those two is going to end up with the nomination? Um. Of those two, I think Clinton has pretty much got so much of the process sewed up that it would be really unlikely that Sanders would win. But I think that Sanders is going to win a lot of votes, and I think people are going to be really mad if it's not him. It's going right. to be a big problem. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be weird because what if it's Clinton and Trump? You know, What does that mean? What happens to the Sanders people? Are they going to go to the Green Party? Is the Green Party going to have like a record turnout and Trump wins? I mean, what's going to happen there? Are they going to coalesce back into that might be what would drive Sanders people to vote for Clinton the fear of Trump that could possibly be enough but if it were Rubio it probably wouldn't work if it were Rubio they might go third party you know I don't think they would care that much uh, um, that's one reason why the GOP establishment is going to desperately try to make it Rubio but it's not going to be Rubio probably <laughs> um, so with the way that the uh, way this you know country has kind of always been do you believe that like a third party 
could ever actually uh, win the presidency? Right now, it'd be very possible. There's a lot of ways that it could accidentally happen. First of all, the Commission on Presidential Debates is preparing for the reality. They think that there's a percentage possibility that somebody on an independent ticket could get 15% in the opinion polls and get into the debates this time. They really believe it's possible. They aren't sure what's going to happen, and nobody still is, because Bloomberg is threatening to get in. Bloomberg used to be the mayor of New York. He spent more on running for the mayor of New York, New York than anyone spent on a presidential race before. So he could pretty much buy the presidency, and he could definitely get to 15% in the polls by just running commercials. We need an independent, you know, until we'll know yeah. his name is, and then bam, he'd be 15%. Bam, he's in the debate. That's, that's a potential game changer that's just sitting there on the horizon lurking. Also, the Libertarian Party has a lawsuit against the Commission on Presidential Debate saying that because they're actually on the ballot in enough states to win, that if you included only the candidates on the ballot in enough states to win, that it would limit the number of people on the stage to usually between two to four candidates. Which they argue, and I think that's an extremely good argument, and I would hope that the government would eventually switch to that, where if it's possible you're on enough ballots, that's really hard to do. To get on the ballot in 50 states takes an extreme organizational process. It takes people in every single one of those states caring a lot about your presidential campaign, getting a lot of people to sign signatures and stuff, sometimes 20,000 signatures. So it's really not easy to do. Like To get it in all 50 states requires a very serious organized effort. And the Libertarian Party is a very serious, mass organized party that is in all the states, and they are on almost every time, except for two, and they've sued their way to where those two are about to be in play too, possibly this time or the next. So that could come in, that lawsuit could actually wind up in their favor. A lot of people, even in the establishment of the government, are starting to be like, there does need to be a way we get a third party in there sometime, because it's never happening in the regime. There's basically one president that keeps, you know, George W. Bush and Barack Obama are not different in how they govern at all <laughs> because uh-huh. like you know you don't have you don't have a third voice saying like the two things you guys are debating between are the same thing talked about differently you know here's another entire way you can look at it so kind of heading back to the primaries thing i know a lot of primaries are popping up around the country so you know how how important is it for people to actually get out and actually vote in their primaries Primary is more important than the presidential general election, I think. And, and it's important to kind of understand the strategy of like, I guess in the primary, you just want to vote your opinion, like the candidate that's the closest to you in your opinion. On me, Rand Paul remains on my ballot, so I voted for Rand Paul. That's the one closest to me. I'm a libertarian type guy. I believe in live and let live, so that's what I I'm closest to. So I made that vote, even though he's had no chance of winning, because I want the party to look at those percentages and realize how many people there are in those percentages. You know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. It's very useful. There's a lot of trends that will follow, like, and especially a third party. Okay, so look at it this way. Like, I live in Tennessee, which is a hard red Republican state, it's, and it's a winner-take-all delegate state in the general election. So no matter who I vote for, all of the, the uh, electoral college votes are going to go to whoever wins the Republican nomination, right? I mean, that's just yeah. always what happens. So if I vote, I can go to coronate the Republican, I can go to vote for the Democrat, or I can go and vote for a third party that's similar to my views, and if they get to 5%, maybe they get to be on the ballot next time. You know, that's an actual change I can affect. So it's much more important a lot of times if you're in one of the, if you're not in a swing state to vote third party, but if you're in a, um, in the general election, if you're in a swing state, though, it's more complicated because then, you know, the lesser two evils actually does kind of make sense a little bit. Like if you live in Ohio and it's down to 
the last vote between Clinton and Trump, and that's a more serious serious vote in terms yeah. of do you want to block somebody or something. But when you're, you know, in Tennessee, and it doesn't matter what I do, it's going to be all the Republican electoral college votes are coming from our state, no matter what. And, you know, third-party vote makes plenty of strategic sense. For people who are worried about strategy, I mean, I personally prefer to vote with my principal anyway. <laughs> right. But most people can't be, for some reason, convinced to do that on that basis alone. Well, Barry, I definitely appreciate you taking a few minutes tonight. Uh, go ahead now. What are you working on with uh, Truth and Media right now? Um, I do stories seven days a week on there, truthandmedia.com. So just check it out. We do all kind of uh, – basically, we look into and investigate stories that the mainstream media um, won't – uh, necessarily angles they won't take on it because of who their investors are essentially. You know, we have kind of a bottom up investor process so we can choose based on what's important to say, not based on what advertisers want, if that makes sense. Yeah. And what's, uh, and also, you know, uh, the listeners out there know you do a uh, sing for Look What I Did. And, uh, so what's, uh, what's going on with the band right now? Right now we are rapidly recording a new, EP, um, which we intend to title uh, Joe Walsh, incidentally, (laughs) (laughs) Um, because Joe Walsh has a greatest hit album called Look What I Did. Oh, nice. So we're thinking, look what I did. We're going to have a album called Joe Walsh, just to kind of, I don't know, retaliate. (laughs) You're going to get a lot of Eagles fans pissed off. Oh yeah, this is, I mean, probably there will be a lawsuit. I'm hoping there will be a lawsuit. <laughs> not actually, I'm not really hoping that, or like actually hoping that. I'm figuratively, or some kind of a joke way where you can't sue me more over it, hoping for it. <laughs> right. <sighs> All right, Barry, and uh, just so everybody out there knows, we are going to kind of do this monthly, so I will check in with you next month, and uh, we'll kind of see the progress of this presidential election. Yeah, I'll keep all the metalhead folks up to speed on uh, what's going on in the politics realm. All right, man. I appreciate it. Good talking to you once again. Oh, always.
Oh, that was great. Thank you, Barry Donigan, once again for coming on the podcast. Always great to have you on, and I can't wait to uh, talk to you throughout the year. So hopefully everyone enjoys enjoyed this episode of the Talk To Me podcast. You know, for having two guests, well, technically three guests on the podcast, it's kind of a short podcast. It's always great having Barry on the podcast. Such a good guy, such a great dear old friend. So hopefully you guys enjoy that and will enjoy that for the rest of the year throughout the presidential election. And uh, just hopefully, you know, if you're listening around the world, you know, this is a big deal here in the States. If you're listening to it in the States, you know, hopefully you guys uh, get a little bit of information and hopefully it's not biased one way or another. So, yeah, if you guys enjoyed that, make sure to reach out to me at talk to me talk on the Twitter or Facebook.com slash talk to me talk or talk to me talk at gmail.com. Yeah, I really need to find those people with the actual talk to me's and uh, see if I can't get those from them. Because, you know, when I came up with the name talk to me, I thought I was like the most innovative person in the entire planet. But uh, I guess all of the other to me's out there realized that talk to me is a great name. So <laughs> I think the talk to me Facebook is an actual like person with the name to me. But for some reason, like the talk to me Twitter is just some random person. So if you uh, if you're out there and you, uh, you know, you want to want to rustle up the talk to me people, see if they can't uh, come off those names. That would be hilarious. And I would definitely appreciate it. So if you've enjoyed this episode or past episodes, you know, I've got the, the uh, you know, if you're into the five-figure death punch aspect of this thing, go back to episode six with uh, Chris Kale. Got some Bobby Burns on episode five. You know, we can go, go through Tony Campos and uh, Mark Rizzo and Max Illich, you know, all the great guests. Even the Reverend Horton Heat was on the podcast. So make sure to go and uh, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on whatever uh, podcast platform you're listening to this on, and go check out the past episodes of the podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to give us a five-star rating. Give us a great review, and, uh, and it'll definitely help out the podcast in many different ways. Coming up on the 40,000th download of the podcast but yet i have three count them one two three reviews on itunes and i think one of them is me so that's pretty bad so i don't you know so let's get those numbers up give us some five star ratings give us some great reviews and uh, it'll be great for the podcast and for everyone out there and i definitely love uh reading the podcast reviews so thanks to everyone who shares each shares the podcast weekly shares each episode writes a nice little comment and if you've uh, stumbled upon this podcast somehow thank you so much for uh, tuning in and if you're a regular to the podcast thank you for tuning in each and every week i thoroughly enjoy making these podcasts for everybody and i thoroughly enjoy it when you guys reach out to me you know talk to me about the podcast and uh, give me questions about the podcast and i will give you the best answers that i possibly can about the talk to me podcast so uh this week we've got a band called oculux they reached out to me and asked me if i throw them on the podcast and you know what i'm gonna throw them on the podcast so uh here's some oculux i'm gonna leave you with some music this week and so until next tuesday for the talk to me podcast i am joshua Toomey, and i hope you guys have a wonderful week and next week on the podcast hold on i'll tell you this real quick so here's how the next couple weeks are going to shape up on the podcast. Uh, next week will be Eric, the Eric Brittingham episode. 
who I talked to for a good hour and 45 minutes on the phone. <laughs> it was a very, very long podcast. Uh, I think I'm going to trim it down to about an hour 20. But, you know, he goes through so much of the Cinderella backstory. It's uh, it's definitely a great listen and, you know, uh, you know, such a cool guy to talk to. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that episode. So next week, Eric Brittingham, Cinderella, and then the week after that, I'm going to release the Kurt Vanderhoof episode of uh, Metal Church. Kurt Vanderhoof of Metal Church episode is the week after that. And then I've got a couple of great guests lined up for the month of March. So yeah, the month of March is coming together really good. Eric Brittingham, Kurt Vanderhoof, uh, got a couple of other podcast guests that are yet to be announced because I've yet to record them and I've been burnt in the past by by announcing guests a little too early. So hopefully uh, we'll get all this stuff done. So until next week, I am Joshua Toomey. This has been the Talk To Me podcast. I will leave you with some music. Have a great week, everybody.
On Monday, George W. Bush will campaign in South Carolina for his brother. As you said tonight, and you've often said, the Iraq war and your opposition to it was a sign of your good judgment. In 2008, in an interview with Wolf Blitzer talking about President George W. Bush's conduct of the war, you said you were surprised that Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi didn't try to impeach him. You said, quote, which personally I think would have been a wonderful thing, uh, close quote. When you were asked what you meant by that, you said, for the war. For the war, he lied. He got us into the war with lies. Do you still believe President Bush should be impeached? Should have been First impeached? All I have to say, as a businessman, I get along with everybody. I have business all over the world. I know so many of the people in the audience. And by the way, I'm a self-funder. I don't have. I have my wife and I have my son. That's all I have. I don't have this. So let me just tell you. I get along with everybody, which is my obligation to my company, to myself, etc. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? Now, you can take it any way you want. And it took, Je- it took Jeb Bush, if you remember, at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. It took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We can make mistakes. But that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized the Middle East. But so you so I mean, so so you still think he should be impeached? I think it's my turn, isn't it? You do whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. I want to tell you. They lied. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none. And they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass destruction. Okay. All right. Governor Bush. When a member on the stage is brother gets attacked, brother gets to respond. I get to do it five or six times or just once responding to that? So here's the deal. I'm sick and tired of Barack Obama blaming my brother for all of the problems that he's had. And frankly... I could, I could care less about the insults that Donald Trump gives to me. It's blood sport for him. He enjoys it, and I'm glad he's happy about it. He's but I am sick and tired, I am sick and tired of him going after my family. My dad is the greatest man alive in my mind. And while, while Donald Trump was building a reality TV show, my brother was building a security apparatus to keep us safe, and I'm proud of what he did. He's had the gall to go the after World my Trade mother. Center came He's down had the gall to go after reign. my Remember mother. That. Hold on. Let me finish. He's had the gall to go after my mother. That's not keeping Look, I won safe. the lottery when I was born 63 years ago and looked up and I saw my mom. mom my mom is the strongest woman I know. She should this be running. This is not about okay. my family or his family. Okay. This is about the South Carolina families that need someone to be a commander-in-chief that can lead. Governor, I'm that person. Governor Kasich, would you weigh in on...